On the Pilot TV podcast this week, we will be talking about Paddy Considine's triumphant return to the small screen in BBC One's Informer and a real starring ITV drama Butterfly and, yes, subjecting ourselves to yet another sprawling season of Marvel television. What I can only assume is the 354th season in the MTVU, Daredevil Season 3. Although, presumably, by way of apology for Luke Cage and Iron Fist and, you know, most of the others, this one's actually very good. So we can look forward to it. Lies. Spoiler alert. Yeah, Lies. spoiler. Spoiler is good. All that, and we'll be catching up on the latest Gogglebox goodness, which, by popular demand, will not not include my reactions to the new Star Trek Discovery trailer, as no one needs to go through all that again for another week running, I'm saying. I think you're correct. I'm James Dyer, and joining me today are the triumphant return of Terry White. Hello, Terry. How was your Hiya. holiday? It was dead good. And thank you to Julia Rayside for keeping my... I was going to say keeping my bum warm, but I mean keeping mm. my seat warm with her bum. And, and bullying Boyd. And bullying Boyd. I really that enjoyed fine, it. did you? Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> nice. That's I mean, different. it is Mental Health Week at, uh, yeah. in our publishers, but, you know, that's fine. Yeah, um, I, deal with it. I, uh, I very much enjoyed it. Did you listen so, to it on your travels? I did listen to it on my travels, and it made me miss all of you, even you, James. Oh, I don't believe you. <laughs> uh, yes, also joining me this week is, as ever... Boyd Hilton. Hello. Hi. And I didn't prepare some incredibly long-winded, descriptive oh. intro about how much TV you watch, but I think it's, it's, fine. Im- it's implied it's and understood. absolutely fine. Hang on, hang on. Aren't we due a celebrity friend Oh, that's anecdote? easy this week. That's easy this week. So where do I... I can do... Uh, I hosted the, the Julia Davis Q&A uh, for her new show, Sally Forever, which hopefully we'll be reviewing next week on this very podcast, if I have anything to do with it. Mm-hmm. And so I got to hang out with her for a bit. I'm sorry. No, no, no. Hang on. Being paid to host an event professionally does not come into the same category as you being mates with a famous. But I was also having drinks with her first. I mean... That doesn't count. In a friendship way. It does a bit. I wasn't being paid for that bit. With Russell Tovey or going to the football (laughs) with Dermot. This is the level of anecdote about your friendships that I expect. She told me a great story about being interviewed by someone, though, which I'll tell you afterwards. Was it you? It wasn't me, no. This is is a not for the podcast. It's a not for the podcast. Ah, Okay. Okay. Good to know. But we should shelve all of this talk and take a moment to reflect. What did we all think of our new Pilot TV podcast theme tune, which played a minute ago? Amazing. Yes. Yes, it is. It's pretty snazzy. Glorious. By the great Billy Lunn, I believe. It is not not just any theme tune. Uh, It is written and recorded for us by Billy Lunn of The Subways, who aside from being an honest-to-God rocker, is also a fan of the podcast. So that's nice. He is, and he... uh, I'm not defining her by her relationship with him, but his (laughs) wife is an excellent human being. She is. Also uh, works in film, film critic. Yes. And we love her a lot, so hello to both of them. And thank you to Billy. And 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 Billy's a big Arsenal fan as well. To be fair to his wife, it it may or may not have been her who bullied him into doing this. So so that is the thing. But here's a hot Subways fact for you, that they have their own claim to TV fame. Does anyone know this? What, those two? Yeah, yeah, the subways, the subways. Oh, the subways. I'm not 100% sure Billy would want me to share this, but I'm going to do it anyway. You'll they be fine. appeared in the OC. This is absolutely true. No way. Oh, that's absolutely great. true. Season three, episode seven, which is one where Ryan, I don't know if you remember, nearly bottles that guy on the beach. Hang with on, a hang broken on. Bottle. The band themselves or their music? The band themselves. Shit. Actually, and our name check because Seth, Marita, and uh, Ryan and Summer all go to see them play at the bait shop where they are playing. And then Ryan obviously nearly gets into a fight because, you know, because Ryan. And and that, that was, they, you know, they featured, they headlined the episode. Billy. 
Hey, mm. how have you not Legend. told the world this? I know. I'm sure he has. I mean, he but, may have yeah. done. I mean, it was a while yeah. ago. But so they perform two songs live in the bait shop. And then I think one of their songs plays while Ryan's having a moody strop at the end of the episode as well as a kind of montage. Oh, thing. I miss his moody strop <laughs> soundtracks by emo strings. I know. I'm it's definitely going to go back and find that on so YouTube. So yes, everyone, uh, is, I believe the episode is called The Anger Management. Fantastic. Um, but I highly recommend looking that up and uh, and seeing and seeing that. Obviously, a claim to fame that has now been topped by their new association wow. with the Pilot Podcast. So uh, thank you, Billy, for our new theme. You can follow him on Twitter at Billy Subway. Uh, before we get into this week's news, I thought we might talk about viewers. Okay, Who? Viewers. What? Specifically, the people who watch the TVs. So this week, I, what got me thinking about this was Doctor Who, obviously, debuted and was watched by 8.2 million people, which is a lot. It's a lot. In uh, this day and age. It is. And this was the biggest, biggest opening for a new Doctor since Eccleston in 2005. Wow. Yeah. As a long-standing Whovian, I have this information at my <laughs> fingertips. But, I mean, that's, that's pretty mental. Yeah, that's great. And it's interesting because before, on the in the few days building up to uh, the premiere of the new series Doc 2, there's a lot of Whovians guessing, trying to guess how many viewers mm. it was getting. And I did not see anyone going that high. And no. it was definitely a, you know, five, six, six and a half kind of feeling about it. 8.2, and that's so far, that's just on the night. So it's already yep. climbing, it's already put a couple of million more onto that, I believe. So by the time the full final figure, it's up there in bodyguard level proportions. Which is higher than the debut of the bodyguard. Higher than, higher than it the is final, higher than the debut yeah. of the bodyguard. And I think it shows that there is an, something intrinsically exciting about the whole everything they've done with this series, mm. from the casting of Jodie Whittaker to every, well, that whole idea of it being a massive revamp really does capture the imagination. I think it's been a bit of a triumph from everyone involved in terms of the actual show, the marketing of it, mm. the pre-release interviews, everything. It's all kind of worked. I loved. I actually loved the strength of good feeling about it. So I was bracing myself. I was on holiday in Mykonos and I was bracing myself watching Twitter watch mm. the programme. I obviously couldn't see it, but I had seen it. You know when you brace yourself for the trolls to climb out from their sewers and their gutters <laughs> and, and just be bellends about the entire thing? And I have to say that across the board, all I saw was kind of really lovely response and people seem to go into it with a real open mm. mind and as you say a real sense of excitement you got the sense that this wasn't kind of a toast tokenistic reboot it was a genuine kind of new era for doctor who and it felt like that kind of swept the mood of the nation yeah absolutely yeah well so th this this kind of this piqued my interest looking at this this sort of this dark art of, of viewing figures so <laughs> i kind of I disappeared down the rabbit hole a little bit on this and decided to take a close look at what people watch. Now, and during my travels, I discovered the Broadcasters Audience Research Board, or BARB for short, hashtag justice for BARB. Um, and frankly, English people shouldn't be allowed to own televisions. I'm, I know this is controversial, but... Just, just English people? Just English people. Scots I can't and Irish speak. and Welsh are oh, I think this, this might be... Actually, do you know what? This might be UK-wide. I think it was just English. I could be wrong. Let's of course go, it's UK-wide. You know let's go UK-wide. No one in the UK should be allowed to own a television. Okay. I'm sorry. Okay. I'm sorry. But like, let's take Bob's September, end of September figures, for example. Okay, So I looked at a week, random week, yeah. the end of September. Number one, rated show, Strictly Come Dancing. Of course. Number two, rated show. Strictly Come Dancing, the results. <laughs> of course. <laughs> number three, rated show, The Great British Bake Off. Yeah. Okay, and, and number I mean, four... I find it funny that you're shocked by this. No, This has been I happening just, for the last 15 years. But I didn't realise that the nation had become so moronic so quickly. <laughs> it's just, it's extraordinary to me. This is extraordinary to me. I don't understand it. Admittedly, the cry does turn up at about number five. But, but, so, but it's almost all, it's wall-to-wall, -wall, Coronation Street, 
Emmerdale and reality TV. But as Boyd says, this has literally been British life for the last 20 years. I know you live in like a weird <laughs> hole under the ground where you don't interact with anybody else or normal life at all, but you're talking about mainstream British society. I'm just saying, yeah. reruns of Deep Space Nine don't appear anywhere on no. this list. It's weird, isn't at it? At all. It's absolutely I don't know, bizarre. Like, as you say, like, I, I kind of like, I've, I've kind of only watched you know, cinematic TVs, this kind of stuff for a very long time. And I kind of, I am slightly snooty about... Slightly? ...all other things. And and so I, I, del- I delved even deeper. I went, what are the highest rated things in 2018 that people have watched? What do you think number one was? Of, tw- of the year so far? Yes. Was Bodyguard, isn't it? No, oh. no, it's not. I mean, it's... Oh, has got talent. It's Croatia versus England. Oh, well, yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, so, okay, two World Cups, and then after those, yes, it is Bodyguard. Right. I mean, that's the... To be honest... I think it's really interesting what you're saying, but the real joy and shock of everything that you're that you're talking us through is that drama gets in there at all. It does. I it mean, does. really, you know, the British TV has been dominated by reality TV, talent competitions, and the soaps for decades. So yeah. the fact that something like The Cry, even, which is even more, which is quite a challenging show to watch mm. in terms of its narrative and everything, much more so than Bodyguard, is getting that is doing that well. It's kind of fantastic, really. So I, I kind of feel the, the the obverse to you. I feel actually we expect Bake Off and Strictly to be in there, and Once Upon a Time X Factor. Well, that's on the slow ratings, right? So the, the brilliant thing is that The Cry's in there as well, that and hopefully, true. you know, some of these other dramas will get in there. So what we're saying is, and Doctor Who, everyone's moronic, but there's hope for them because they're getting. They're better. not moronic. Those shows. Uh, I mean, don't get me started. But all I would say quickly is, like, st- I'm not a huge fan of Strictly, but I know it's brilliantly made and produced. It uh-huh. really is for what it is, and, and so is so is Bake Off. You know, these things are are, are beautifully made actually and within the confines it, of what they are. It's communal experience, yeah. right? So I think people are still desperate for. this sense and this is what you got from Doctor Who everybody tuned in watched it at the same time watched it with their families tweeted about it you are part of a communal experience and I think that's what Strictly is that's what X Factor Mm. used to be when it actually had good ratings (laughs) and people want that drama every week Bake Off is exactly the same and then they're having a conversation for two hours afterwards about what just happened to that contestant who they feel like they're now also in a friendship with I just don't understand the appeal of spending an hour watching someone make volivants it just doesn't it just, I just, it, it baffles me. Not Funnily enough, that's what Sandy Toxic said before she became the host of it. <laughs> she think I'm next. She pretty much made that joke and then ended up hosting it the next yeah. year for vast amounts of money. But in case anyone is wondering, the top 10 of 2018 thus far is number one, Croatia versus England. Number two, Sweden versus England. <laughs> number three, Bodyguard. Four, Britain's Got Talent. Five, Strictly Come Dancing and presumably the results. Six, Call the Midwife. There you go. Oh. Uh, seven, Coronation Street. Eight, British Bake Off. Nine, Saturday Night Takeaway. I don't know what that is. And, and Deck. Is it? It's Anton Deck. It's not <laughs> actually about takeaways. Saturday Night Takeaways. I don't watch rubbish. I it's watch, not about you know, takeaways. Stuff. Well, good stuff. <laughs> like, you know, like A Discovery of Witches. Really good shows like that. Yeah. yeah. And at number 10, The Royal Wedding. Oh, uh, of course. Bless him. Anyway. It's enough of that. Should we have some news? Should we talk, talk about some news? Yes. I know Terry's very excited about something in particular. I am! <laughs> Killing Eve, oh, season yeah. two. So I think we all figured after the success of the first one, which was obviously a huge hit in the US before it even arrived here finally, BBC Three did an amazing tweet last night, which was just saying, oh, we, ha- we are doing Killing Eve number two. It's like, yeah, no shit. <laughs> but there are some changes. So obviously Sandra O oh and Jodie Comer are both back, as we know. But the big difference actually is that Phoebe Waller-Bridge is no longer the lead writer. So my understanding is that she's staying on as an exec Mm. producer, right, Boyd? Um, 
but she isn't going to be the lead writer. And actually, this is the thing that I'm grappling with, which is I my love and respect for what Killing Eve does is about the detail and authenticity of the writing, in large part around the female characters, which, you know, I could talk for England about how badly written a lot of female characters on TV are. And actually, a woman writing really intelligently and with amazing humour and with amazing darkness and amazing, you know, awkwardness and all of those things we love about Phoebe Waller-Bridge's writing, I think that is a huge reason why Killing Eve was such a big success. So what does it look like when she is not putting those words in? Well, all I would say is, you know that she didn't write all of season one. Not all of it, right? She wrote half of it. Yeah. So a full half, four of the eight episodes were written by other people, including some men. But all I'd say is I think she 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 had a kind of semi-showrunner role. Yes. And so she's overseeing the whole thing. Yes. But and I think, I think she, that tone, that consistency right. of tone comes from Absolutely. having her. And it's whether yes. that is continued by her being exec producer the second time yeah. around and how involved she is. Because my understanding, again, is, is that she was very all over everything. Absolutely, and, and she yeah. was very much a, as you say, traditional American showrunner in terms of really being on top of every single word, every single page every single detail you felt that yeah, in agree, the work yeah. that came out but i can't wait i mean she's also doing fleabag season two so i'm guessing she's a little bit busy, she's busy um yeah but i can't wait for it to come and i think we don't know much on date right now i know they're filming at the moment yeah um and i think i assume it will kind of I, I think it'll be on bbc america the same time as it was last time which was in the spring and then yeah. i imagine the bbc will have to have a smaller gap because famously we had to wait six months for it mm. to arrive here they must show it quite sooner as soon as it arrives in America, I think. Oh, and Julian Barrett joining, which yes, is really exciting. exciting. Really, really exciting. Yes. I mean, if he can drag Julia Davis along while he's there, that yeah, would be excellent. That would be perfect. Well, good times. Almost as exciting, they are readapting Jim Butcher's Harry Dresden books. I can see you both being <laughs> very excited <laughs> about that. Who's what? Do you not, not know this? Did you never watch the Dresden Files? Oh, God. I vaguely remember being aware of the Dresden Files as something that had to get out of the way before I watched something fun. Yeah, I think my granddad, before he died, watched Okay, it, it. was 2007, Terry. <laughs> Uh, there are only 12 episodes made. These were based on Jim Butcher's series of books starring Harry Dresden, who is a kind of a wizard for hire. It's like, it's like Buffy meets Magnum P.I. Like he's like a, he's like a P.I. slash wizard. And uh, there were 12 episodes of this until, you know, it got cancelled for being shit. Paul Blackthorne, I believe, mm-hmm. played okay. Harry Dresden. But anyway, th- so this was on sci-fi, but Fox has decided to readapt it. So Harry Dresden is returning. Oh, God, I mean... you and those four other people are going to be dead excited. <laughs> oh, have you know, the books are very, very popular. James, I can't believe you. That is your chosen new story. Story and not the big West Wing-related news story of the day. Well, you know, I like to build up the things. Why don't you tee off the West Shall Wing Shall I tell story? you, do, do you, you know do the it? big West Wing-related news story of the day? That Rob Lowe, yeah. of West Wing fame, yeah. and some other things that he may, have, may or not have heard of, is going to star in a British ITV drama series in which he plays the chief constable of the East Lincolnshire Police Force. Of the what? But a bit of a police. He force. is appointed at America, Rob Lowe of West Wing is <laughs> head of the East Lincolnshire. Lincolnshire or Lancashire? Lincolnshire. Lincolnshire. Oh, Lincolnshire. because that makes the difference. Yes. <laughs> yes, it was. I mean Lancashire I wouldn't have watched, but Lincolnshire, I am all in. Yeah. It's called Wild Bill. But it is an extraordinary concept, isn't it? That that's that's so Rob Lowe. I, so I haven't wh- heard that. Yeah, well, that is gen- genuinely happening. It's produced by the anonymous content production company who make Thirty Reasons Why, Maniac, and Mr. Robot. So it's got a good, like you know, he's kind of he's co-created it. It's completely bonkers, but you know, this sounds it's amazing. happening. I mean, I will absolutely watch it. Yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. That is more exciting than uh, the Dresden Files. I felt it was slightly more exciting than the Dresden Files. I hope he's like goes into Iceland to investigate, (laughs) like somebody (laughs) doing off with some fish fingers. Absolutely. One can only hope. (laughs) Did you see the the kung fu thing? Uh, The kung fu thing. Yeah. So they're doing a sequel to David Carradine's uh, 1970s not at all racist (laughs) series, Kung Fu, where he plays an Oriental kung fu. Yes, uh, kung fu master wandering America, getting in adventures. I'm guessing not him. No, well, no, no, he's not it. No, this is... Who's uh, they are doing it? Which, which uh, they, Those people on TV. <laughs> yes, the TV people. <laughs> I can't remember what network has okay. picked this up, but it's like it's being sort of like put together at the moment. So the, the plot oh, of this yeah. is a young Chinese-American woman inherits her father's kung fu studio, only to how, find that it houses, as they do, a secret chamber where he dedicated his life to helping members of the Chinatown community. Oh, this sounds like Karate Kid when um, uh, What's-Her-Face, Hilary Swank, was the student... <laughs> <laughs> they're just trying to modernise it. Yeah, yeah, it is that. I mean, yeah. Kung Fu was... So Kung Fu was... Uh, obviously, David Carradine is the lead in that. Bruce Lee thought he was going to be the lead in that show and they uh, didn't yeah. cast him because he was Chinese and, you know, wow. they were a little bit racist. So they cast David Carradine <laughs> instead as a Chinese guy. I do remember very much enjoying Kung Fu when I was a kid growing up. But, you know, I didn't know it was racist at yeah. the time. I mean, now it's, yeah. it, it very much is. Uh, this will not be racist and, in fact, is... <laughs> How do you know? Do you be? <laughs> I'm I mean, we hope not. I'm ass- I mean, you know what? Maybe this is a great, big, very, massive racist yeah, show. It, it very is, much depends which channel it's going to be on. Do you know what? It is showing on the Reich Network, so actually, <laughs> it seems quite likely it will be quite racist. Yeah. 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 Okay, so racist Kung Fu, that's going to be one, one of those now. videos they watch in The Man in the High Castle? Yeah, that's, <laughs> funnily enough, that's, it is a spin-off yeah. of The Man in the High Castle. Did you hear that rumour that Bruce Lee was meant to be a member of the Chinese Secret Service. No. And, no. and it's like, how could he be a member of the Chinese Secret Service when he's one of the world's most famous actors? Or did I dream that? I, I, uh, I, think you I it, yeah. don't think that's true. <laughs> I mean, sure? I'm not like, I've seen Dragon, the Bruce Lee story, and that was not mentioned at any point. Yeah. I think it is. Let's Google it later. Okay. If, or if anybody listening can, can get in touch with me on Twitter, Terry underscore White, and just let me know, was Bruce Lee meant to be part of the Chinese Secret Service? Yes, 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 please do that. <laughs> okay, any other news? Uh, not that I know. No. There's been some Witcher casting, Oh, but you don't care about that. No. No. I mean, some people, I'd be honest, I haven't heard of have been cast uh, as Siri and Yennefer, which are very important roles in that series. I mean, if uh, you say so. Which I'm hoping that someone will send me on set off at some point. But uh, but you've never heard of them, so there's really no point in me telling you about them. No, I have just Googled Bruce Lee in Chinese. I have to say, it's not coming out with much. Well, if it's, if it's not on the Google, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it, can't, it can't be true. It hasn't tapped into Terry's brain. Or is it a joke brain. in Friends? So, just to recap, <laughs> this is either a fact, that, right, one of your dreams, now it's to make sense. or a joke in it Friends. It was a joke in Friends, <laughs> oh, yes. yes. The Almost one where certainly. Bruce Lee yeah. is in the Chinese <laughs> yeah. Secret Service, yes. Yeah. It's a lesser known Please episode. don't confuse jokes and friends with <laughs> things that happened in life. This is the lesson we've learned. Oh, God, that's... We were on a break! <laughs> I'm re-watching Friends. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Funnily I mean, enough. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't know, I've started you re-watching. Are you watching on Channel 5 or are you watching it no, on... Ridiculous. No, it's on Channel 5 at the moment. I've same. got them all, okay. obviously. <laughs> um, Mrs. Geller, why you cry? Who, 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 who is that? That's when Ross and Rachel go on Ross's honeymoon, uh-huh. apart from he stays to try and make up with Emily. Uh-huh. Rachel ends up on her honeymoon in Greece on his own, and, and she cries during the entire thing, and she comes back, and she goes... They were like, oh, how was she? She's like, everybody was like, Mrs. Geller, why you cry? Wow. Right. It's a famous uh, yeah. friend's line. Yes, yeah. yes, very famous. Good. 
As long as it was nothing to do with the Kung Fu story. No, no, it's, it's, it's nothing to do with that. Let's move on. Some reviews, I think. Uh, I think that's it from news. Uh, now, our pick of the week's new shows kicking off this week. Let us begin with Informer, which I am straining to resist pronouncing like the song by early 90s faux reggae pop group Snow. Informer. <laughs> I, I, actually, I looked it up. It's actually not I lick a bum bum. It's, 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 no, and this is, Thank and this is true. That. It's leaky bum bum, which is in many oh. ways. Oh, much more wow. upsetting. Yes, leaky bum. Also, wasn't I'm sorry to um, uh, nitpick, but isn't Snow the name of the act singular, not the band? Well, it's, it's the man. His name is Snow. Yes. I remember that his album was called 12 Inches of Snow, which I appreciated <laughs> as a good pun. Wow. But I didn't know that he was Mr. Snow. Yeah, he's Sir Snow. Yeah. And, and just sort of speaks in kind of this sort of faux Jamaican reggae thing that he does. Or did. Presumably he's dead now, so, you know. Didn't he? No. Or I in prison. You know, I can only assume. I was like, no, but did he know that was Vanilla Rice? Yeah. Wow. Vanilla Rice had a relationship with Madonna. Yeah, that, I mean, and, that was... And cool. other important That did facts. happen. That was not a joke in Friends. That <laughs> yeah. did happen. Right. It might have also been a joke in Friends. Anywho. Anyway. Informer. Yes. Who's seen it? I have. Excellent. Is Nothing it good? to do with that <laughs> bloody song. It's not the theme tune of the of the. I would of the show. play that song at this point, but we don't have a PRS license, so I can't. No, fine, yeah. yeah, yeah. Don't play that song. This is a big new six-part BBC One drama starting on Tuesday. It's written by two newcomers uh, who are Rory Haynes and Sorab Noshivani. Sorab is importantly of Iranian descent, and this show is all about a young. Second generation British Pakistani called Raza, played by newcomer Naban Rizwan, who gets embroiled with the counter terrorist police. He goes out one night, we're introduced to him in the show. The whole thing, as every drum has to now, starts with a flashback or a flash forward to something that we don't know why it's connected to the events that then play out in the rest of the episode. So it starts with a big instant beginning on a train which is all the rage now, yep. it is the DLR and not a train down from wherever, Scotland. To are, they, are, they, are they doing what everyone does, sitting in the front carriage yeah. and pretending they're driving? Yeah. Okay. And um, there's a big chase and there's a big uh, kind of shootout situation. And there's a bit of a trial involving this case. And then it cuts straight to a year earlier where we meet the major characters who are this British Pakistani guy. Goes, he goes out for a night out with his girlfriend. There's minor drug dealing involved. He gets arrested and in come... Cops, played by Paddy Considine and the great Belle Powley of Diary of a Teenage Girl fame, who take the take the decision to try and get him to become an informant for them. And they are trying to find. They're trying to get their job is to get people planted in local communities in East London to listen in on their neighbours and to try and root out any potential Islamist terrorists. How very George Orwell. It is slightly George Orwell. So it's all about it's all about you know what happens when you kind of coerce people into snitching on their neighbours. Is it valid? Is that a valid thing to do in these days of actual threats from terrorists? Or is it, or what are the kind of morality, what's the morality of that situation? How does that affect actual young Muslim people on the ground? Does anyone at any point say snitches get stitches? Mm, not, maybe not, but almost. It's subtext. It's subtext. Okay. I very much enjoyed it. I think it's a, it's directed, I think, in a very, in a quite a kind of uh, quasi-documentary style. Um, and I thought that the young newcomer um, is fantastic. Naban Rizwan is incredibly likeable and charismatic as this young British Muslim guy. There's a great scene early on where he's meeting his potential flatmates who are all white creative types and they're incredibly patronising towards him. And that's a kind of lovely little scene that kind of establishes what he's like and what he has to face, the racism 
has to face day in, day out in his life. And um, I was gripped. And I really want to know how the events that happen in this episode relate to the incident we see at the beginning, that flashback scene, how it all ends up with this big shootout and this big trial, subsequent trial. So, and Paddy Constantine's in it, and you can't grow in Paddy Constantine. So I really very much enjoyed it. Yes, so I saw this, and James, you know that I'm a huge fan of Paddy Constantine, yes. and Bell Powley, I think, is one of the most promising actors, British actors working today. She's really compelling, actually, and really goes against anything you've really seen her play before. I don't know what it was. I found it, actually, bizarrely, I didn't wasn't that hooked in the first mm-hmm. kind of 20 to 30 minutes. And I don't know if it's because of the nature of what we're seeing at the moment. You know, you you watch the first 20 minutes of Bodyguard, for example, and that set piece at the beginning of this didn't compel me in the same way. Um, And, yeah, you've got this flashback, flash forward, and so it slows right down really quickly in the first episode. So I'm kind of still not convinced. I'm going to give the second episode a go and see where I end up, mainly because of Paddy and Belle, quite honestly. Mm. I think it's interesting what you're saying because I think it is a different story than a different point of view on a story that we think we've heard a lot, but actually you really haven't. So I think that's really interesting and giving that completely different perspective. But, yeah. I'm I'm unconvinced right now. Okay. I urge you to carry on watching it because it's very good. <laughs> it's it's good. I, I feel like sitting in the middle of YouTube, it's balanced. We have Terry leading up the dark side <laughs> and Boyd leading up the light side and you just got to yeah. clash in the middle. It's good. Well, yeah. It's good. And I, and Wait I feel, till we get to the next I was about one. to say, this might yeah. be about to happen again. I'm sensing a fight. So next up is... IT. Well, first of all... Informer, Tuesday, BBC One, nine o'clock. Informer, yes. Yeah, so look a bomb-bomb down. Yes. I think because that's so terrible, we can get away with the PRS side of it. It's very good because that means we don't owe the money. Yes, so a fight about Butterfly. I'm going to say Queensbury Rules, you two, and fight. Butterfly, ITV drama. Yeah. So, okay, this is essentially a family mainstream drama about a transgender child. Mm-hmm. And so the, the conflict that I really struggle with at the heart of this show, um, which starts on Sunday at nine o'clock on ITV, is that you have a very thorny, complex issue, which is what happens to a family, what really happens to a family when one of your children essentially says, They think they were born in the wrong body. They want to potentially change gender. What does that do to the surrounding family and to the broader family? Which is a really interesting question. And we have seen this tackled before, for example. So Just Charlie was a film back in 2017, which is actually a hugely similar setup. The kind of narrative construction is is almost identical in terms of um, the stories it's trying to tell, the point of view. The father's point of view, for example, is really elevated in this. So you really see um, the effects of toxic masculinity, why a straight, white, traditional guy with a traditional idea of family may struggle with the thought of his son wanting to become or to live as a girl. Mm -hmm. The problem is it's an ITV drama, right? So... (laughs) There is real tonal difficulties for me with this. I feel like some of the writing is clumsy. I feel like the score is mad. Like there's this weird kind of whimsical almost 
house school that goes on in the background. And I just find some of it, and I, I guess what they're trying to do is show some of the ugliness at the heart of this and not kind of um, gloss over some of the real problems that families go through and some of the real struggles that people within traditional family units would have with this kind of issue within their family. But it's just, it's incredibly heavy-handed in parts. It's, it's incredibly clumsy in others. Anna Friel plays the mum, Vicky. It isn't her finest moment. Emma Jane Scan- Jay Scanlon, who was amazing in Hollyoaks, of all things, um, is the dad. And he is so over the top and kind of very pantomime villainy. Alison Steadman is, as well as the grandmother, who really can't kind of handle her grandchild being through this. So I think this is such a sensitive topic at the moment. Obviously, there's a huge amount happening in terms of trans rights and self-identification. Um, and I, while I admire a channel like ITV, um, which is so ma- mainstream, so mass market, Sunday night drama, probably where the heart is kind of slot, <laughs> and they're putting in Butterfly, I understand and find it potentially admirable, but I think it's it's when you think about how it may have been handled by a BBC, for example... I think it has real fundamental problems. So less a beautiful butterfly and more a kind of scruffy caterpillar. Exactly. Boyd? Um, I actually found it thoroughly real is my main is the main reason why I disagree. So I actually there are, you know, it, it's, and I, I kind of admire, so I completely, I, I completely come from the opposite angle, which is that I actually think it's great that ITV is giving its Sunday nine o'clock slot two this drama dealing with one of the most contentious issues of our time, which is transgender, particularly transgender child. So this is an 11-year-old child going through this experience. So it's like they're going past down a very tough path. And I think what the focus is from the writer, uh, Tony Marchant, and he did, um, the thing that I really remember him for is the Mark of Came show, and if you saw it, it was a feature-length Channel 4 drama about the Iraq war mm. and how, you know, the kind of, the effect the Iraq war had on British soldiers and Iraqis, and it was a kind of, it was a tough watch. It was a, another thorny subject. He loves getting into these difficult areas and showing, I think what he tries to do is show the reality of the situation for the people experiencing this stuff. So for me, I believed in the kid and what the kid was going through you see her going to school dressed in girls clothing and of course bullying ensues so it doesn't soft soap any of that it deals a lot of that and i think the fact that the family particularly the dad as you say is can't deal with it feels real i think the fact that anna frill's character is 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 already separated from him and then clearly she can't cope with his toxic masculinity anyway i believed in that so i kind of believed it and i know and I, I i i mean there are clunky moments, which I think possibly slightly inevitably when you're dealing with this kind of subject matter. But I felt I, most of the time I believed in all of them. And I think particularly Callum Booth Ford as Max slash Maxine wants to become Maxine and will become Maxine is great. And to find someone, you know, an 11 year old who can do this pretty challenging material and make it absolutely convincing and not in any way uh, unreal, I thought was pretty good. So I do disagree. I, I believed in it. But I, do you know what I don't necessarily need more of on my TV <laughs> is the perspectives of the white straight male in the situation being elevated above all above all else. And what you really see is is his struggles and his difficulties as a straight man in a traditional society. Do you mean the boy I, or, or no, no the dad? Sca- yeah, the dad. The dad. Right. So prioritizing his point of view. 
and and it does and it gets into a really difficult thing where you're meant to kind of feel sorry for him because you're meant to feel like well he exists within this kind of heteronormative society so you know of course he's going to struggle with it but I wanted more from what's the mother's perspective who is trying to hold her family together while he's off with his new girlfriend and you know he's chosen to distance himself from the family or really what is the kid's perspective so I I think that's one of the problems I had with it is while the kind of toxic masculinity at the heart of it is an interesting thing it that got prioritized to me above all else and the there were moments of drama that really didn't ring true there was a scene in particular um which I don't want to ruin but but there is quite what is quite an emotional and traumatic moment for the child and it just doesn't play true at all it doesn't ring true so I think that's why kind of it doesn't work because if you really want to talk about the issues facing trans children and all the debate around being forced into transitioning about puberty blockers all of those things, I think seeing it pretty much purely from the dad's perspective and being led down a path where you're meant to sympathise with him because, you know, that's just men find things difficult to understand these days in this crazy uh, modern world. I just didn't sympathise with him for a minute. I don't think we're meant to. I really, I, I don't, I, that didn't strike me at all. I, to, I thought he was a complete twat and I think we're meant to see, I think what we're being shown is not only does this poor kid have to deal with his, her gender issues that she wants to trans, trans, trans become a, a, a girl just to do with all of that and the bullying at school and everything she also has to deal with a bloody ridiculous dad who can't cope with it who's not supporting her that was what I got from it I didn't get that it was being seen through his point of view at all I just got but it is entirely from his but it's, it's it is entirely from exactly everything not. is positioned from his point of view the... as the father I'm not saying it's like oh it's entirely sympathetic I'm saying you're led to kind of question how within a society men find stuff like that difficult because the, what they're told the traditional family unit looks like that boys should play football, that girls do X, that boys do Y. It, all of that stuff around gender conformity and what makes gender and what makes sex. But I just think there were so many hollow moments. And actually, as I say, I just found it entirely unconvincing because it was from his perspective, almost pretty much entirely. And that Anna Fr- I mean, I literally feel I've got to watch it again because I just don't think that's true. I mean, when the, co- the child goes to school, the dad's not there. You know, we do follow the child no, going but through. all of the things that he struggles with at school, especially when in the beginning and he's still publicly identifying as a yeah. boy and all of those things around wanting to join in with the girls and all the stuff he's internalised from his dad around what boys and girls don't do. The, when he won't join in with the girls and dance with them, it's because he's ashamed and that shame oh, comes sure. from what his father's told him and, and his relationship with football and with sport and all of those things are seen through the construct of the father-son relationship. Wow. All I can say is, I haven't seen it. We have a hung jury. I would, I would advise all of our listeners to maybe watch it and then write in and harass one or indeed both of you and tell you how wrong you are. Uh, we are at Pilot TV Mag. Harass Twitter. away. Harass away. Um, and lastly, we have <laughs> Daredevil Season 3, which normally, normally I would launch into my, you know, by now familiar diatribe against the Marvel TV universe, but I'm not going to. And genuinely, genuinely, we're not at an all is forgiven kind of place with this. We're not, but we're getting close. Like, I've only seen the first episode. I'm the first to admit, I have spoken to a couple of people who have seen all of them. And the phrase, best thing they've done yet, has been bandied around. Mm. Which may, you know, that may be overstating it. Certainly best thing since uh, Jessica Jones season one. I mean, that's a 
pretty fucking low bar, but for sure. Um, do you know what? It's really good. It's really good. There's a lot of, uh, you know, self-pity and moping uh, from Charlie Cox's Matt Murdock. So this, this that I can confirm. Yeah, I mean, there's loads <laughs> of that. So this picks up from, I guess, really, the end of The Defenders, which has been a while since then, where Daredevil gets blown up along with Electra. But if you stay to the end of the credits, you will see that he wakes up in a kind of like a, in a sort of a church sanitarium and he's, you know, on the mend. And this picks up from there. So he's beaten, he's part deaf, he can, you know, barely walk and he has to kind of build himself back up again. And all of that is good. But more important than any of that is Vincent D'Onofrio is back as the kingpin and he was the single greatest thing in Daredevil season one. And I think really the fact that he has a really strong presence in this, even before and indeed after they introduced Bullseye, I think that is what is, is elevating this season. So actually, you know, they, they pulled just when I thought it was out, they mm. have pulled me back in. And he wasn't in season two, hardly, apart from one. Yeah, barely. Barely. barely season, yeah. which, which was ridiculous. It was. And ridiculous. I... I I'm so I I opted out of season two after two episodes. Too many ninjas. Too many ninjas. <laughs> I, I was bored to death. So I, I, I it, you know, I do, and I am absolutely with you in these far too lengthy. How many? Yes. Ten, thirteen. These are thirteen episodes 13. of this yeah. season. Way too much. So they always become boring. But yeah. after about three or four episodes, yeah. but. I, I enjoyed this first episode. I, I kind of agree with it. I didn't think it was that... I mean, apart from bringing Vincent D'Onofrio yeah. back, which is absolutely the best decision, and he is immediately oh, fantastic. His so scenes good. in jail. Just that scene, you see him he's, in jail. Yeah, he's, he's running he's the to place. Music, and there's all the noise from the other yeah. converse, and he just goes, Shh, quiet! And the and feds show up, and he's up. in charge of the feds. Yeah. Um, I loved all of that. I found the daredevil waking up, being tended to by the nuns, and, you know being a bit mopey it was a bit like James Bond Skyfall you know when he was you know when he was being yeah. like he had to be roused out of his kind mopey of bond. mopey bond mm. mopey daredevil I think we've seen that it's not exactly original is it but we've I, seen all this so many times I, I my, my overarching issue with the whole thing is it's just not I'm not interested in this superhero and his problems and I don't know what they can do his first world to, problems his first world problems <laughs> and I don't know what they can possibly do to make me interested all I'm interested in is Vincent D'Onofrio uh, well, I like the fact that the nun calls him on that when he's moping around basically yeah. wanting to die in a basement. She's like, I'm sorry, Mr. Incredibly good-looking, super yes. ninja, secret-powered, law-degree-holding, super-intelligent man. Boo-hoo. Right. Yeah, <laughs> speaking for the entire viewing audience. Well, exactly. Yeah. So you're telling me you're going to carry on watching all 13 yeah. episodes of this I'm going to do it. Wow. I'm going to do it. So okay. This will be an experiment. Wow. I will watch all 13 of this, and it's going to be a make-or-break. Like, if wow. I survive it and agree with the people I've spoken to that this is, you know, a high point for them or indeed just, you know, a return to form, then they'll have won me back. I'm never going to go back ever and watch the Iron Fist that I missed. That's not going to happen. Right. But I might conceivably... Okay. Press okay. on going forward. Do you have, you have an army of like associates yeah. who watch stuff for you? Yeah, in the they're background. like my defenders. Yeah, you're like a little, yeah. like, little gang. Yeah, of, like, they're uh, like the hand, yeah. but they watch stuff for me and then report back. <laughs> the James Sire hand. Yeah, that's oh. exactly what happens. So, Terry, are we going to convince you to watch this? Oh, God, I couldn't care less. <laughs> no. I mean, Terry's no. literally like <laughs> zoned out. Yeah. She's, she's yeah. drawing a feature. She not only won't watch it, won't even listen to us talk about it. <laughs> Oh, poor Marvel, eh? Oh, yeah, boo-hoo, boo-hoo. That's what I think when I go to yeah. sleep every night, poor Marvel. Also, I must not pray being for funny, them. not being funny, but, you know, everyone still seems to be present and correct, you know, all I'm saying, Thanos... What's going on? Oh, right. in the well, same universe. Well, yeah, Continuity, fuckers. Yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway. It's weird that is, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. a bit weird. Um, also, uh, out last week, in fact, so, so I should say Daredevil drops on Netflix on Friday. Yes. Uh, also out last week was the first episode of the Romanoffs, which we haven't seen because no. of when we record this. <laughs> um, but early word is, shall we say, not stellar. No. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't want to, it's unfair because I haven't seen it yet and yeah. I, I, I will watch it, but 
I, like you, I've got friends who've watched it. <laughs> so <laughs> your hand, uh, my hand, the foot. Yeah. So these are, by the way, feature length individual stories um, from Matthew Matthew Wiener, who did a Madman. Yeah. And they're vaguely connected by the idea that these the characters feature descendants of the Romanovs' yeah. um, family, but these are like hour twenty individual episodes. And again, friends of mine have watched the first two, so they were unutterably boring <laughs> and kind of mystifying as well. Like, why should we be interested in, in you know when there's no actual other connection between any of the characters? They're totally separate stories. Having said that, I did go to the Amazon Prime, you know, showcase event in London where Julia Roberts was there. Um, she's not in this. Um, and they showed some clips and they look decent. But again, time management, I feel like it's mm. going to be a while till I get to the Romanoffs. I mean, you've got another 12 episodes of Daredevil to watch. So. Yeah, well, that's true. Um, but this, this is, this is, I mean, Wiener's going to be the draw for this, isn't it? He's the total draw. Now, yeah. I mean, he's got good, some good cast, but yeah. Mad Men bored my tits off. Oh, so no, what? you're wrong about that. So, you, so you're saying I shouldn't watch this? I mean, if Mad Men bored you itself, then you have no... What reason would you possibly I have just, to watch I this? just I yeah. couldn't, couldn't get oh, on Mad with Mad Men it. was fantastic. I mean, it was, it was, literally it was, nothing happened. Hang on, how many did you watch? I watched the first three and a half seasons. Are you sure? Yes. <laughs> that struck me as one of those. So and James Dye does this thing where he states something as fact when he's never watched anything. Is it known as a lie? You're <laughs> saying James Dye is what's known as a liar. No, no. I saw when Don Draper went on holiday and spent several episodes, episodes sitting by a pool. I remember all that. I remember the high point, dramatic high point of the series when the chap got his foot chopped off by a lawnmower. Yeah, I remember that. Ooh. And uh, obviously the episode where they sit around, smoke and drink whiskey was extraordinary. I don't think this is going to be for you, James. No, 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 no it's definitely not going to be for you. I mean, it, on the plus, it's a non-genre, you know, weekly... Borathon. Hugely expensive, <laughs> possible borathon. Yeah, right, okay. We'll see. We'll see. We'll find out. Um, also, also, which I, I believe which began on Saturday on Disney XD was uh, <laughs> the first season of Star Wars Resistance, which I haven't watched either. Which I'm looking I mean, on to. Disney XD. Yeah, yeah. I, I love it. my Disney XD. <laughs> okay. uh, yeah, no, I want to watch this. It's it's Star Wars. It's a cartoon. It skews really young. What's not to love? Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast on quality cinematic TV, starring James Dyer's Weird. <laughs> saying if it's good enough for Oscar Isaac it's good enough for me is it good enough for Oscar Isaac yeah like oh. he, re he reprises his role as oh. Dameron does he mm. wow yeah. have you James I've got a question for you yeah. have you watched The Cry yet no you have to it watch it will make it. me sad I don't need to see it it's sad I've, oh yeah you, you can't do I've things. seen up to three mm. yeah and it's Gets better, even better. I think. Yeah, it's great. Should, I agree. I yeah. think you should jump in. Well, we agree on that. But I want yeah. to watch. You know, I've got to watch Informer. I'm still watching this. That I'm still. I've only just started season two. Watch well, series two because it's English. I've unforgotten. I was watching Man in the High Castle on the way in this morning. Too much television. So I, you know, I have to impose strict quality control. And I'm sorry, the cry fell outside my boundaries. Mm. So, so there you go. But I guess that's it. That is it for another episode of the Pilot TV Podcast. Join us next week as we will once more send our consciousnesses flying out into the broadcast void in the hopes of discovering exciting new shows or, quite frankly, anything that will stop you watching shit like Strictly Come Dancing. <laughs> There's really no hope for us as a nation, I'm saying. Lick a bomb bomb down. <laughs> Goodbye. Bye. Bye.